we're told if there's any um, body part that is recognisable, say ear, nose, you know, we have to bring it in and not touch it. So, the, yeah, so bring the police and the, yeah, and the, the coroner's back to retrieve anything that's recognisable. This had to happen about three times during the clean-up process. Welcome to Crime Scene Gold Coast with Guardian Criminal Law. My name's Mark Savick, I'm the Principal of Guardian Criminal Law and we'll be bringing you podcasts weekly. A variety of uh, topics that can be very sensitive, so please be careful when you're listening and uh, if you need any assistance at all, we'll include a lifeline number at the bottom of the page. Really appreciate you subscribing and liking our podcast channel. You can uh, listen to us across most social media platforms, Spotify, uh, YouTube, uh, TikTok, and uh, you'll find us there. We look forward to bringing you many episodes in the future. On this episode, we've got Gary and Bree, a father and daughter team from PHJ uh, Cleaning, and they have a specialty in forensic uh, cleanup. So... Uh, there will be some interesting topics to talk about. Welcome to the podcast, guys. Thanks for having us. Thanks You're welcome. Thank you. You're welcome. How are you guys yeah. today? Yeah, very good. Thank you. You're good? Yeah. Gary, yeah. yeah. I just so wanted you to explain to our um, the viewers and listeners to our podcast a little bit about your time in the police force. I understand that you uh, rose up through the ranks in the police force and that you worked as a de- detective uh, in the police force. I went into playing clothes... Um, very early in my career, much much earlier than probably the majority do. Um, so of my 13 years in, in service, I probably um, did 11 years in plain clothes. Okay. I achieved the, the rank of sergeant at 11 years service, which at that time was fairly unique. Um, my career... I guess looked promising, but I um, I got approached by a private company to um, to leave, and the, and the offer was a bit too good to refuse. Okay. So that was my reason for it. I I really enjoyed police force, and I got a lot of sf- satisfaction out of out of some of the things I've done there. Uh, I then took up a role. I uh, became a national security manager for this company. And that took me, or they called me actually the Australasian manager, took me to Fiji and New Zealand too. Um, And I held that for a long time, but I didn't get as much enjoyment out of that as I did out of policing. And and I was away from home a lot. So that's the reason I went into um, purchasing my own business and maintaining that. Where did you start in the police force? Did you go to the Goulburn Academy in Goulburn? No. Academy was at Redfern when I started. It's that old, what that year, long mate? ago. What year? 1978. And how old were you? 22. Okay, so this was pretty close to your first job. You would have. This is your first uh, career move. Um, no, it was actually my third at that okay. stage. So yeah. what what did you go through before then? I worked as a clerk for Ford, Ford Australia in Sydney initially, and then I moved back to my hometown of Taree and worked as a clerk for the local council. Okay, yeah. and then what drove you to go and join the police force? Probably escape from Tari. Okay, um, 
Where um, did you escape so, to? To Redfern? <laughs> no, um, I was initially stationed at Newtown. Redfern was where the academy was. So we, in those days, you only did 10 weeks. I think, I can't remember, 10 or 12 weeks. And then the first station was Newtown, which I ended up being stationed at three times. So, so this was in the late 70s, early late, 80s. Yes. You were in yeah. Newtown. Yes. It's yeah. a different place now. Very different. Very I, different. I, it was a rough, tough area at that time. It, it changed um, oh, logistics. It became much more commercialised and, and um, yuppie type. It's feeling, gentrified, but, but, I think they say now. Gen- gentrified. <laughs> gentrified, is that yeah. the term? But yeah. in uh, those early days, there was a lot of nationalities in Newtown, Marrickville, and uh, they were really hard-working um, immigrants, but they played hard too. <laughs> My uncle had a travel agency in the main street in Newtown at in, that time. In, in King Street. Yes, yeah. yes. He had his own travel agency in King Street at that time. Mm-hmm. We used to go and visit uh, him and his family. They lived at Bellrose up French's Forest, way yeah, up on the northern on the north side, side in the northern yeah. suburbs. And I can remember back then you'd drive through Newtown and it was like a different world. There's swirling paper. I remember there was lots of rubbish around. There were uh, all sorts of undesirable-looking characters wandering the streets. It was dirty. It looked it looked rough. It looked like a place where poor people lived, not so much now. No, very different now. Yeah, it's, it's sort of affluent. It's a, if I'm allowed to say it, it was a it's a gay community now, which didn't exist in that at that time. They um, there was a couple of early opener hotels with they six o'clock opening, and they were always full. And what sort of you were policing down there? What sort of what sort of issues did you mainly have around Newtown? There was a lot of violence, so a lot of assaults. Um, there was a huge juvenile problem, which seems to be around the country. There was um, a lot of a lot of stolen cars end up in Newtown. They didn't necessarily get stolen from Newtown, but the youth used to come back there to drop off their their cars. Okay. Um, they they call um, juvenile escapees. They call them absconders, and there was that was. We're always locking up absconders. Oh, you're finding them in Newtown, so yeah. that's where they would yeah. gather. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Tell me, what what is the difference? What differences can you identify b- between policing then and now? I've just been having some discussions recently with people about community policing and the sort of role that police occupied, say back in the seventies, early eighties, and how that's dramatically changed. Where police used to, it seemed to me. Uh, used to make decisions on the ground far more easily rather than going to a superior and actually make you know, make a decision about somebody. And to make it a direct example, my uh, uncle who's passed away many years ago now and he's a lovely man, but he loved a drink. And um, I can remember the police encountering him like sleeping on the side of the road in the car <laughs> with the car parked yeah. askew towards the gutter and one officer would get in the car, shuffle him across, drive him home. They knew exactly where he was so, and uh, make sure he got into bed and then the next day come and give him a dressing down and tell him what an idiot he was. <laughs> so that just wouldn't happen these days. Absolutely not, no. We were always taught that we had a discretionary power. Um, 
now I think there's so much accountability that they're scared to exercise their discretion. Yes. And and that's to the detriment of the whole economy, really, um, be, because there's, there's incidents. If your uncle went to sleep in the car, he was obviously drunk and he... And he, he must have got in that position half driving. That's right. Something. And but did he do any harm? No. Maybe that was lucky. Yes. But but they gave him a chance. Um, yeah. You, they wouldn't be game to now. No, I I recall one of my early jobs that I had. I was nineteen, and I ended up working as a security in a hotel in Derby in northwest Western Australia called the Spinifex Hotel. It was sort of rumoured to be one of the roughest hotels in the country at that time. They reckon the Roebuck Hotel in Broome was the roughest. It was like a, a full-time open boxing mm. ring. And so 6.30, 7 o'clock every evening, and Sergeant would come in and he'd walk through the hotel. And he would be picking out guys and he'd be going, Harry, you're supposed to be at dinner in 15 minutes' time. Finish that schooner and get the hell out of here. Sometimes you'd see him grab someone by the collar and actually pick them up and be having a word to them and taking yeah. them out. He's usually putting them in the car and taking them at home. And it was like right. he's round at that time of the evening mm. to go and find out where the potential troublemakers are. Cause he knew, and he knew that if he'd left them at the pub, He'd be getting a call in three or four hours' time for a domestic violence yeah, between yeah. him and his wife having an argument because yeah. he spent all the money and come home drunk, yeah. um, or for several other reasons, yeah. and uh, and he would take care of it there and then. It yeah. wasn't about waiting till the problem occurred and then having yeah. to deal with it and going through a process. But that's yeah, there's too much accountability these days. That's doing two things. One, he's you get local knowledge when you work in an area for a while. But it's also proactive, and rather than just reactive policing, that's it's good common sense. But it, yeah, are you allowed to apply that now? Unlikely. I don't know. I I had a funny experience with a police officer. At least he said he was a police officer. Maybe he wasn't. I didn't see his badge. <laughs> hmm. But uh, I was I was going on a hunting trip with three other fellows. One uh, another fellow and our uh, two sons, and we're off on a hunting trip, and we. Ended up stopping in a little place. It's west of here, near a place called Texas. And mm. from there, we had about 10 kilometres to go to the property that we were staying on. It was all backcountry dirt roads. And mm. there's a little place, and it's like a one-horse town. There's a, a, a side street off the main road, which I think was dirt there too. And on that street, there was a police station. I think there was two, two houses and the pub down the bottom on the right-hand side. So we decided to stop and have a drink at the pub, and uh, we used to all of us used to drink VB schooners. And we said to the guy behind the bar, "We'll have some, you know, four VB schooners." Or no, it was two, and then the kids mm -hmm. had a soft drink, two VB schooners. And um, the bloke, uh, the barman, said, "I haven't got much left in the keg, actually, guys. There's not that much left in the keg." And my mate said, "We might just drink the rest of that." Why not? And um, and I said, "What what are the police like around here for drink driving?" And there's a guy sitting at the bottom of the bar and he says and he's he's drinking and this was it was probably about 11 o'clock in the morning midday it was early we arrived <laughs> to get to the property yeah and um and he looks up and he goes you'll have no problem with that today mate and uh <laughs> said okay and said you sure about that and he goes well i'm the copper and i'm here today <laughs> so, <laughs> so that was his day off you know yeah. we, we weren't getting drunk or anything yeah. you know we just wanted to make sure we we're doing the right yeah. thing yeah. but yeah. uh not a bad approach well, no, 
showing not at all. that they are, they are human. Exactly. We are, we were. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Hmm. And so you had the – how long was the career in the police force, Gary? 13 years. How old were you? 22, so 30 – late 30s, 30. 35. Yeah, yeah, late yeah, – about when you're like – Never thought about the age then, but it's a long, long time ago. Um, yeah, thirteen years, and I, I just got an offer to, that was a bit more money. I moved to the Gold Coast in '97, um, buying management rights, and then I don't know anybody know much about management rights. People, the general, generally people don't last in that for much more than three years. Why is that? Because it's, it's a twenty-four-seven business and you're dealing with a lot of a lot of issues you've got a job to do but you're dealing with with people and some some good some bad you've got it and um in my case i i liked it but my wife didn't so uh i had to find another business i'd already started working for myself and i had to find another and um just this business was for sale uh was nothing like um we have it now, but it, it was a business that was for sale that looked like a reasonable investment. Okay, so that's and that's how I went to the- Bree. What about you? What's your what's your lead up to being in the cleaning industry? I know you sent me some interesting notes by the email mm. about how you ended up. Yeah, yeah, working with Dad. Yeah, it was an accidental thing that never foresaw this happening. <laughs> so how long um, ago? How long ago was that for you? Uh, geez, eight eight years ago, yeah, twenty fourteen. And what was on so, before then? So before you started with Dad. Yeah, so I've got a background in yeah recruitment um, and HR. Um, so I was managing recruitment agencies for about well, ten years after university, um, and the coincidentally the same week, Dad had a stroke, um, and. That same week I got made redundant from my job and um, dad needed an extra urgent assistance just to keep the business going. So just keeping the momentum whilst he recovered Um, and I had management experience. I thought I could just keep the wheels churning until he recovered. And then, um, yeah, just made the decision. Um, Dad was contemplating retirement anyway around the same time. So we just thought maybe that might have been, you know, Destiny, maybe. You've decided not to retire, though, mate. She brought me back. (laughs) (laughs) I I was retired for six years. Yeah. Yeah. How was that? Um, I had too much idle time, so to come back wasn't so hard. I found it. um, It's not all it's cracked up to be. Okay. Um, You know, it's nice to be able to get up in the morning and not have anything to go to, but. Sometimes you just want to go somewhere. I, t- I got a bit slack after I, my ex-wife and I went through a process where we sold a business of ours and we ended up being financially quite well off for you know, that immediate time and I decided to take a step back and sort of be sort of semi-retired and only work a little bit. I didn't have enough hours in the day to do all the stuff that I like doing because I, I hear some people, they retire and then they need to go back to work because they, yeah. they get bored. Um, I think my dad might have been a bit like that. They had to force him to retire when he was seventy-two. He just, mm. and now in hindsight, he was. We found out he wasn't really seventy-two. It was more like seventy-seven. Mm. And yeah, they forced him to retire. Yeah. And they had, and 
They must have been trying to do it for a while because when they finally got him to retire, they had the biggest party you've ever seen at the local workers' club. <laughs> there was hundreds of people there. Wow. And I think it was just to make sure there was no way he could make a comeback. No. Like so it really ended nothing. with a bang and then yeah. that's it. Yeah. Yeah. And then he, um, he was one of those retirees that he, he, I think he was bored. Yeah. He never took up mm. anything. Like he didn't go fishing or do have any of those interests. No. He, he's, he's always been a worker all his life. Yeah. Whereas with me, I... When I've got time, I haven't got enough time for all the all the things that I like to pursue. So, mm, mm. yeah. So I'm not sure that I'd be. I love the work. I love uh, coming to work and doing the work in the community. Yeah. But. Well, then it becomes that, doesn't it? You're back yeah. in the workforce for a passionate reason. Not. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. There's got to yeah. be a, a driver there. Yeah. Other than just the financial driver. Yeah. 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 It's stimulating to for your brain too to to work and have to apply things rather. Just absolutely mm. absolutely yeah, yeah but yeah. i could sp- i could spend all my days sailing around and going yeah. spearfishing mm. and skydiving and all of those things and be really <laughs> really content that sounds yeah. good too yeah, yeah yeah i could be really content doing that yeah. so how long's the business been going for then it has um it's has been in operation on the gold coast since 1975 um gary was what the third owner Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the PHJ stands for Peter's Hydrojet, and that that okay. was the, that was the name of the business mm-hmm. when I bought it. the The original owner was Peter Vagotis, that um, was the first person to bring uh, what they call extraction equipment into carpet cleaning, the water damage carpet cleaning, not water damage, water water cleaning uh, and he introduced that the Gold Coast so when he, and he called it Peter's Hydrojet because that's that was the name of the machinery Hydrojet mm-hmm. cleaning um, he sold it only two years later to a guy named Merv White who st- kept ownership of it for 23 years but still calling it Peter's Hydrojet and then I bought it off Merv in 2000 um, and then I got sick of being called Peter so I I just shortened the name to PHJ. Okay, so the clients would think you're Peter. Yeah, yes, yeah. <laughs> you could have always changed your name to Peter. <laughs> yeah, I could have done that, yes. Yeah. That was another tactic. Yes. Yeah. So the, now you guys are involved in uh, forensic cleanup in your business. How did you get introduced to that? That's pretty specialised type of work. So, what 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 happens? Do you do you put out a expression of interest to somebody who says that that there's this need for something, or do you get a phone call? Um, we um, we <clears throat> do as a whole disaster cleaning. Mm-hmm. Um, so majority of our work is actually flood damage restoration. Um, for example, the the big the big floods we had February last year, yeah, mm. um, we we've been still flood out today from that. You know, in um, yeah. So flood in around northern homes. New South Wales, or that was pretty widespread uh, storm. But yeah, northern New South Wales was a big part of okay. yeah, our clean up. Um, so under that banner of disaster cleaning and coming up under Google mostly, um, we did just start getting inquiries. 
for crime scene cleaning, um, not realising that there isn't actually anybody that does that on the Gold Coast uh, back then. Yeah, so um, so we accidentally really got into it. Um, yeah. uh, I believe in business, never saying no, we're always giving something a go. We yeah. never know what opportunity yeah. might arise. So yeah. that is how we got into it. Yeah. Okay. Now, I think that I should sort of mention this today. We're probably be going to talk about some fairly sensitive topics mm. because you're exposed to some very sensitive issues in your job and that could be upsetting to some families. Mm. So we're not going to discuss particular names and we're not going to uh, we're not going to identify parties that were involved but yeah. for any families that are watching this podcast uh, who uh, may have lost a loved one or been involved in an incident here around the Gold Coast. Just a bit of a warning that it could be sensitive material for some people. So um, mm-hmm. so they should be on the guard for that and, uh, you know, hit the turn, turn off button uh, if, if it's getting that way for you, yeah? So yeah. what was the first job? Um, the first job was something I didn't realise was such a common occurrence on the Gold Coast um, is... Um, someone that did jump off a of a building so suicides yeah yeah yeah, yeah. and, and we'll put a link we'll put a link on this podcast for uh lifeline and uh suicide prevention yes. assistance yeah. because i yeah, uh, support that area yes 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 so um so it was actually on australia day um and um public holiday uh, somebody had done that from quite a height on in one of the buildings in surface paradise yeah and um i wasn't the first business they had called but they had called several businesses very desperate yeah for assistance okay building managers yeah um and it was in the middle of the day so it was daytime open to the public busy weekend on a long weekend in surface paradise um so i felt their pain and being disaster cleaners i thought surely we can assist mm-hmm. um and yeah and um not realize i was probably in over my head a little bit being quite inexperienced my team were inexperienced in this w- were you on the work. ground then gary w- w- or were you off with your stroke this was in the transition period yeah. when brie was coming in and i decided um to retire and oh. she was going to be my exit plan so, so you were pretty she- much by yourself on this one no I no I, I was board, yeah. i was still on board yeah. oh, okay um yeah this one, yeah. So, but Bree answered the phone calls that day and, okay. and decided to do it. We were instructing yeah. staff, but it it was sort of out of that that, um, to Bree's credit, that she identified that one, it's a niche market, but two, we weren't qualified to do it. Okay. Um, so she arranged, identified where there was courses being held, and um, mm. all the training was is American training, but it was um, conducted in Melbourne by, and ironically enough, another ex-cop who got out of um, scientific police scientific okay. section to um, to train for I'd, this type of I'd work. I'd like to come back to that mm. and go back to you got mm. the phone call, mm-hmm. you're feeling for the staff and management. We're on yep. a mm. hot day, on a middle of the day, mm-hmm. surface paradise. Several yes. companies have said no. Yes. They are desperate. Mm. 
Mm-hmm. And I understand that it was a main public thoroughfare area that was affected. Absolutely, yes. In the, yes. In the, the main foyer yes. area was affected. Yes, okay. yes, yes. A person had fallen through the, um, the, the there was a, a glass canopy in the middle of the reception area of this building. and um, The person who had jumped from the building yes. from a high height had come yes. through the, the canopy yes. and was deceased over in the, yes. in the main yes. foyer area. Yes, yes. Yeah. So, um, yes, yeah, so... She, so part of we yeah we later did yeah we 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 did learn whilst doing this job so whenever um what if there is a so there was sections of his of debris from you know both the building and the deceased everywhere um in quite a widespread area um and so the, the cordon off area was quite large but by then when we had arrived there was quite a crowd around okay. um, in public interest and was the media there yes media oh. every flashing lights like, so yeah. media fire brigade yeah, ambulance police yeah. okay yeah 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 um so when they release they release the scene so we're told if there's any um body part that is recognizable as an actual body part we can note say say ear nose you know we have to bring right. it in and not touch it so the yeah so bring the police and the yeah and the, the coroner's back to retrieve anything that's recognizable um this had to happen about three times as we kept discovering oh. things um as during the cleanup process so what underneath furniture or yeah in pot plants um, or yeah in a, in a bush and a, okay um yeah yeah and we um during this process we also there was lots of planning at a height but the ab sailors um found it at risk to do their job whilst there was still um biohazard yeah biohazard yeah. there on the glass um during this process actually forgot to tell um say um during this process we got a phone call by the family of the deceased um to say, I believe you're the cleaning company. Um, you know, um, just have to let you know, you know, out of courtesy that my family member is um, HIV positive. Oh wow! So it's yeah. your first job, and you get all yeah. of this thrown in, which I found, mm. you know, far during out. the so, commotion, yeah. what the poor family were dealing with. Just to even yeah. think of that was lovely. But... To be considerate of others. Yeah. Under the... Oh my god! Yeah, yeah that is yeah. really highly considerable. That was, was really thoughtful. Yeah, yeah there must so be. As people, the emergency mm. services also learnt mm. this, and the ab sailors said there is no way I'm going up there to do what we have to do until you guys clear the scene. Um, we're not abseilers, but um, they gave my yeah technicians um, crash course in that. So we're on the we day. We had to learn on the day um, under pressure to do some abseiling to mm. clean what we have to clean. We also found other little parts, like body recognisable body parts during that process as well while we're abseiling. Um, had to call them back in. Um, yeah, so quite a large technical job for our first one. How um, many hours are we talking about? So what time do you attend? What time? This the over, to overnight. So the, we got a call in the afternoon. We cleaned all night. Um, and I remember, yeah, going the, the next day at 7 a.m., bringing the guys breakfast, still going at 7 a.m. in the morning. Um 
And you have to yeah. be so thorough. Very. very. How, how do you know when you're done? What What are the markers? What do you do? Go everywhere with a flashlight? Do you have a blue yeah. light? Do you? Is there some special techniques that you use? Yeah, yeah. Flashlight is actually a technique that we use um, just to train your eye to just one small section and um, you go over it very, very thoroughly. Um, in this one, it was actually more the glass that was the hazard. Um, there was a lot of glass um, that we, yeah, we had to look out for, um, especially being in the foyer area of the hotel um, but yeah, yeah, we have to be extremely thorough. So yeah, which we, a lot of it, yeah, during the night, you, yeah, we had to wait till the next morning to really do a thorough search okay. before we could clear the scene and yeah. And when you had cleared the scene, mm. walked away, all good. You didn't get a call back. They were very, very happy with our job. Mm -hmm. yeah, okay. yeah. We did get a, yeah, a lot of recognition from management of this hotel, um, afterwards. Yeah. So so yeah. so then this job is the one that says to you, okay, there's a a, a part of the market that needs to be serviced yeah. here. Yeah, yeah. Um, we've yeah. we've done it, so we can yeah, do it. Yeah, because I was and still upset that nobody on the Gold Coast was doing it yeah. at the time, and uh, these poor people that were left in the lurch when things yeah. like this happen. Yeah, yeah, someone has to do it. Yeah, yeah. so why not be us? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And so then you identify that, and you 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 and Dad have a discussion. Mm. I'd imagine. Mm. Yeah. And yes. you get on board, you go, okay, you can see you can see the same vision. Yes, yes. Okay. So, um, but at Bree's instigation, she's <laughs> managing me then, mm. and um, she identified a course we, we could undertake. And um, so she and I went to Melbourne for a week. Mm -hmm. I think it was a five-day course. Yeah. And... Um, Learned there's a there's a lot more skills in it that that we took out of that course, but there's the right chemicals to use, the right identification, and the, the protocols, mm. which we we didn't know like um, how to how to not well you can't leave any identifiable part that was. Yeah, the biggest thing we took out of the course um, is never leaving a trigger. The psychological part of the job after you've handed it over is a big aspect for, you know, the family and loved ones. Um, you can't leave anything that is recognisable to what had happened at the scene. Um, for example, it might be impeccably clean, beautifully sanitised, but if you left one bullet hole in the gyproc wall, that's going to trigger the poor, you know, loved ones, what happened. Um, so you're best even just leaving a square hole in the wall. Okay. Ready. So you just yeah. cut a square hole so it looks like there's an access point or exactly. something like that. Yeah. And a plaster so will no come and fix it up. If happened you're... there. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I didn't even think about that. Yeah, neither had we. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And so then what, when you're cleaning up, what's done with all of the biohazard that you, is there, there must be a special dis disposal process. Or does that go to the funeral? No, no. We we're always there after the body is removed. Um, we don't go there prior. So there's it's usually just the residue, um, which must be disposed of as contaminated waste. Mm -hmm. So the council has that facility, it's um, which they charge for, but but we've we've got particular bins that we put all even something we might have wiped blood up with it goes yeah. into these this okay. bin is 
clinic and disposed of as clinical waste. That would be high-temperature uh, incineration or something, I'd expect. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. Mm. so we've got the, the, um, yeah, the correct clinical waste bins at our depot yeah. um, and they come and collect it. Do you, uh, have you got ongoing training? Like are you in a association of any kind? Is there a body that represents yeah, your industry? Yeah, it's an American yeah. association still. Okay. Unfortunately, there's not one on you know this country right. yet. Um, hopefully that will come. But um, yes, every 12 months we get reassessed um, Yeah, from this American association. It's called ABRA, so American Bio- Biorecovery Association. Okay, yeah. so you apply that, you adopt these yes, standards, their, their training. Yes, yes. So you've got some something to re- answer to, and you've got a resource to mm. uh, bring into play when you yes. need support. Yeah, there's yes. there's no Australian standard for this type of work. Yeah. So in the absence of a standard, you normally apply something from somewhere else, and in in this case, it's their standard that we apply, and it's it's recognised as best practiced. Is that because so? Is it internationally applicable? Have you got similar standards in Europe, and similar standards in other, you know, Western countries? Uh, I don't know. I, I don't know. This was the best one that we found. I don't. I think Abra is a, got an international face um, that exists all over the world. So I, I think a lot of the training that's done in Europe would be based on these protocols. Yeah. What, so you, you attend on suicides. Mm-hmm. Um, is there much of that occurring in surface paradise in our high-rise area? Does, is this something that's more common than people would think? It is more common mm-hmm. than you think, but it, it, it's not. It's, you it's know, not I'm, pandemic. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm talking maybe two a year. Okay. You know, would I be right? Yeah. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's not a weekly occurrence. No, no. Good. Yeah. And, yeah, good. It yeah, is good. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. A suicide no. as a whole, unfortunately, is 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 a bit more common. But the the, the balcony incidences. Yeah. And you've attended other sorts of suicides, I imagine. Yes. Yes. And so, and unfortunately, that is not that uncommon. Unfortunately, that's a big part of our biohazard cleaning. Yeah, probably majority of our scenes that we clean up does come from suicide. Yes. Does your work reflect the? Statistics that we hear about men and women, is it predominantly men? Um, not necess- no, no, not I can't say that. No, no, it is not necessarily. What I've seen, no, no, probably no. the playing field there. It's just, yeah. Um, yeah, it varies, doesn't it? It does vary. It does vary. Yeah. Um, um, the methods of suicide, <clears throat> you see, yes, yeah, are different for men than women. I what, what sort of things do you see? Um, so, for instance, all the, the hanging ones, unfortunately, are mostly men. Okay. Um, the wrist cutting, mostly women. Um, yeah, I've, I've found mm. that interesting. Yeah. Drug yeah. overdose? You probably wouldn't attend on much cleanup for yes, drug overdose. Ah, yes. oh, okay. There's lots of substance the, abuse ones, the, unfortunately. The reason for that is that they're unattended they're, they're not known yeah. to be deceased for some time and when the okay. the body fluids leach from the from the person um, that becomes the contamination point so even though um, the drugs are a fair, relatively clean yeah yeah death so to speak um, the aftermath if they're of three days or or longer okay being undiscovered 
Mm. And so it, I've got this mental picture of you guys pulling up in a van and you've got full hazmat protective gear. So you've got a full body suit. You've got a, a ventilator of some kind that you use, yes. of some sort of mask yes. that you use yes. with canisters. And um, then that's yeah. that, that's the setup. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And yes. it yes. still must take a bit of... I don't know what conditions it? to work in for us. Yeah, if for it's really hot conditions yeah. in the summer, you walk mm. into a scene like that. Yeah. It must be very confronting. Yes, it is. the The odor is quite horrendous. You you never forget it once you've once you've had it, and it's it's a fact of life. We we decompose, but um, yeah. it, it's not a a pleasant thing. Um, the, so the the, the masks. You know, they'll often use encourage the staff to use Vicks or something like that to just even with a mask on, they've still got the smell there, mm. and they've got to clean their equipment afterwards because it it just permeates. So the your, body's been clothing. removed, mm. but it's the leaching out of bodily fluids. It's a decomposition, so it might be in carpet or on a floor, or yes, and then that has to all be cleaned. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. So when we went to. Um, I think the deceased was there around two weeks, but it was in the middle of summer. Oh. And, um, yeah, and the fluids had gone. They had died on the ma- mattress, um, but, yeah, they'd le- yeah, the fluids went from mattress through to... Carpet. Yeah, through oh, to the... the, the um, so the fluids leaked through the mattress through the, mm. and dripped floor, onto the carpet. <laughs> mm. Yeah, yeah, so... Um, yeah, through the mattress and the what's the secondary mattress called? It's the yeah, the base, base. The, the base, base, the bed yeah. base. So the, mm-hmm. Yeah, the mattress and the base, then the carpet to the underlay to the concrete slab. Um, yeah, so all the way through. So yeah. I'd imagine that that so the mattress, the bed, all that gets thrown away. Yeah, and then the carpet yes. gets cut out, and the underlay gets cut out and thrown yes. away. And then the concrete floor gets so the only sanitized. way for odor removal is physical yeah. <clears throat> removal. There's no amount yeah. of cleaning chemicals, nothing that will get rid of the odor. Physical removal is the only way. Yeah, so that often can't be achieved in concrete. No, so it, it sinks into the concrete. You can't cut the concrete out. So in those cases, you have to seal it so okay. you can trap it in. Okay. Mm. Um, I've had another example where the smell was still there after the cleaning was finished and it, they had floorboards and it gets into the, yeah, the joins yeah. of the floorboards. So the same thing applies, you have to seal it. What about that Red other door. one in Surface Paradise? That it went, that, that was how they discovered the body. There was um, dripping from the carport underneath the apartment. From the apartment above, okay, you know, the old the, slab. the old style mm. apartments where you have a, a carport underneath. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm with you. And yeah. This particular case, mm. oh, I've got to be a bit careful, I suppose, but it, it went through a crack in the carpet, in the concrete, mm. onto the possessions of another resident in the garage. In the garage, mm. yeah. And so that's and that's how so they had to seal it. To clean, yeah, to seal both sides of the concrete slab from the... And that's how they identified that there was someone dead up yeah. there. There's some yeah. bodily yeah. fluids dripping. Yeah. Yes. Oh, my goodness. Someone's Imagine. probably gone with their mm. finger or something like yeah. that thinking, what is this? What, what is yeah. this? Oh, yeah. my goodness yeah. me. That would be horrible. Mm. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And so so that's in, in homes. Are there any times when there's been a home that's so contaminated that, that smells like permeated through so many different things oh, just yeah. because of time that... It can't be achieved. Like you just cannot achieve the 
sanitization of the home. You can't achieve getting rid of the smell. No, yeah. usually you can. Um, but for example, we've had a couple of instances where the, the death has been on tiles and it gets into the, mm. the grout. Okay. So you do have to take the tiles out. Mm. Um, but wow. it's a fair, fair bit and then you've got to perhaps it seal the concrete a underneath. Demo job yeah. on the whole yeah. property. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Wow. Mm. Yeah. I don't think that many people committing suicide think about what the outcome could <laughs> no. possibly be, like what no, sort of you're burden not in that they're frame of mind, are you? No, yeah. no, no, you're no. not. You're not. Yeah. But But yeah, yeah. You know, I it's... we were discussing suicide with uh, another guest, uh, Mr. Tim Fisk, who runs a men's group here locally. Mm. And uh Yeah, he he was talking about his own contemplation of suicide when he was at his lowest and saying oh, yeah. that it was about him assessing that everybody else in his life would be better off. Mm. Uh, you know, I don't know, maybe if you threw uh, guys like you into the mix and they think about, look yes. at what look at what I'm going to do. Maybe have a uh, The repercussions because yeah. you pro yeah, they probably don't think that far no. down the track. They don't no. think no. about what that repercussion could no. possibly be. And it's not a small one. No, no definitely it's, not. And then and, to and families to know that that's – that they've been that they've you know that they've committed suicide and then been on their own. Yeah, like, and, and also it sounds, um, yeah, it, but but the cost as well. I mean, the cost involved in something like this isn't cheap. Who bears and the cost? Exactly. That's where I was mortified that that yes, that the poor families that that has to be a thing and it. Someone has to pay. So at the hotel, so that first one you went to at the yeah. hotel, I didn't even think about this, Brie. No, I, I had an I, I, I thought, yeah. I thought, oh, the hotel pays. Yeah, you know? and that's but, always the most awkward part of taking a job like this. You have to say, I'm so sorry with what happened. Like they, they tell you the details and you think, you know, I'm so awful. Half the time they are crying on the other end of the phone. And you think, I don't mean to sound insensitive, but before I carry on with this job, who's paying? And you feel awful. But it's the practicality of it. It's the reality of it. Because, no, yeah. That's right. Yeah. And that yeah. job, that first job at the hotel or, or the, the high-rise yeah. building. Yeah. Um, Body corporate ended up paying. That would have been quite a big yeah. expense because yeah. you had multiple Absolutely. technicians on the ground for yeah. many hours on a public holiday. Yep. Uh, yep. Working During over the there eight hours. So yeah. probably paying double Plus, and triple time and yeah. all sorts. Well, of they get paid a penalty rate for this type of work yeah, too. Yeah, well. It's, yeah, so... And if it becomes double time, double yeah. time at it at a higher rate so it's anyway. It's not a cheap episode for the poor people yeah. involved. No. Um, yeah, yeah. So that's always a mm. very awkward part of the conversation in an already awkward situation. Um, but yeah, but that's that is what I, I found more horrific that um, this has happened to them. Half the time, it is the property owner who died. So. Okay. Who wears the cost, and uh, the, yeah, and unfortunately, that does that does raise a bit of family conflict sometimes, and unfortunately, it has been the reason for sometimes I've had to walk away from the job, and you feel awful, but so yeah. do, you, do you? Are you in the position sometimes where you have to approach the executor of an estate to satisfy the bill? Yes, we have had a couple of instances. Yes, okay, yes, and then sometimes yeah. it even is them that does call and book the, the job. They're yeah. usually the, the better person to it communicate is. with because they're a little 
they, yeah. they might be family, but they're usually um, appointed executive because they've got some responsibility or they're, mm. they're accountable for responsibility. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there are other times where an, an insurance company will pick it up on the very rarely for yeah. on a building insurance. You know, it's mm. okay. Occasionally, they yeah. they can claim insurance. Who, who does the job? Who does the job if you guys don't get paid and you've got to walk away? Like in my profession, yeah. if I walk away because the people can't afford my services, there's a duty lawyer. Who's uh, who's at court mm. every day? There's a duty lawyer who looks yeah. after people, yeah. or there's legal aid yeah. that you can apply for a grant. Unfortunately, there are some. I found that some poor domestic cleaners do take on the job, probably in over their head, um, that do it a lot cheaper. But yeah, yeah, Damn. and which is why, unfortunately, yeah. I wish this industry was regulated. But um, they will find someone that will. For mm. a fraction of the cost, but yeah. okay, yeah, yeah. Mm. Do you do you have to have to do cleanups involving cars? No, no, that is something something that we haven't ventured into. No, no, we uh, do what, um, we do what, do the police vehicles. Yes, we do do them. Um, yeah, we have got so, a, so that is yeah a sort of crime and trauma. Um, we've done police vehicles where they've had feces in, in the car. The paddy wagon. Yeah, or yeah. urinating or yeah. vomited. That, yeah, so we are, that preferred, sort of thing, but... we are preferred supplier for our local police okay. um, mm. to do that work. Is that yeah. regular work? I'd imagine that would yeah, be fairly regular, regular work. work. Yeah, yeah. Mm. So we do it for Gold Coast and the Tweed areas. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. So people people's feces and urine and spitting and yeah, bleeding. Yeah, it was and, a big okay. part of um, – it, it did get a lot – bigger um, in COVID times because then because of what we do, we did become COVID cleaners as well. So, yeah, well, yeah we did have, did a, have quite a, few police cars, a yeah. bit of a surge in, mm. in claims then, yeah. Mm. Okay. Mm. And so what what about scenes where there's been like violence at the scene? So we, you've got people committing suicide, mm -hmm. but um, what about scenes where there's been, uh, like you said before, bullet holes or... There's been weapons involved. Do you get exposed to that? Yeah, we have. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Strange as it may seem, they they the appearance if if your confrontation with of appearance with you know blood and some some matter looks t horrendous, but it's easier to clean because it's usually fresher. Mm. So it's 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 a no uh, odor. Yeah. There's oh right. The, mm. The odor in it hasn't had time to penetrate there hasn't surfaces. Been a decomposition yeah. or anything yeah. yet. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Our cleaners actually prefer those ones. They they're worse on the eye for the average person, but if they were to choose between, yeah, mm. you, one we the polite way to we put it is an unattended death or a fresh stabbing. <laughs> they okay. would take the stabbing any day. Okay. Yeah. Mm. yeah. And. How do you um, address the issue of the mental health welfare of your employees? We, one of the wife or partner of one of our staff, was the first one to raise an issue with us. We, we were poor at it, um, but she came to us one day when this particular employee he'd, he'd attended three deaths in a week. Um, she came to us saying that she's worried about him because he's just going home and drinking. Mm. Okay. 
And um, so Bree and I sat down and had formulated a plan and we've decided that, by the way, he did three by himself. Mm. That was our worst mistake. Yeah. So now we never send anyone to a job by themselves. Okay. Any of these jobs. Then we always try and have a debriefing with them personally afterwards. Much as they've got each other to talk to, that helps a lot. But we try and just talk it out. And if they've just Mm. get them to raise any issues, if it is, and Mm. make sure that they are coping or try and and find a way. Yeah. Yeah. We have to prioritize that. And counseling. Do you have the counseling available? You have any other protocols in place? Do you? So you've got the debriefing, you sit down and have a discussion, just an open discussion. Yes, yeah, we, we have got an, out, yeah, an external counsellor that they do have the contact details of. Um, we haven't needed to tap into them too much. They're pretty good at, at chatting mm. amongst themselves. It has helped that we do send them in teams now. Um, Is there a dark sense of humour associated with your work? Sometimes we can our meetings can get a bit inappropriate. (laughs) Well, sometimes that can be a really good way of coping. And that's the way the police deal with it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. My my mother worked in lockdown dementia care for about thirty five years, and um, I remember she used to. Once a year or so, she'd uh, have a bit of a get together of the ladies that all work together. Mm-hmm. And Pete, Pete, and Pete, I remember Pete. He was like the cook. He was a lovely man, mm-hmm. and uh, they'd have a get together at uh, at our place. And I, I was in my teens, mm-hmm. and I'd sometimes cook a barbecue for them. Mm-hmm. They were hilarious. Yeah. Were, and, yeah. And I thought, wow, they work in such adverse conditions. Yeah. Really, really taxing. Yeah. Day in, day out, day in, day out. Yeah, and uh, and I'm listening to them, and you can sort of pick up that they do actually love their job because right. they're doing yeah. something worthwhile. Mm. Yeah, and then they've got this sense of humour that yeah. you know would be highly politically inappropriate and probably not yeah. not to be aired on any podcasts. No, no. Yeah. I mean, you could you'd be probably horrified at some of our family mm. dinner table conversations. My sister works in the business too. Okay. Um, so while you're eating, it probably isn't the best dinner <laughs> table conversation. And my mum's a nurse as well. So she's okay. yeah, mm. she doesn't hold back either. <laughs> no. Okay. But um yeah, no. yeah, sometimes we've got to be careful if there's other people. <laughs> have you have you ever had a matter where um the person that you're cleaning up has got an association with a family member or somebody that works for you? Has there ever been that concern it's always a concern like a connection but it's some no. but i haven't had it um, okay no but, it had yeah. happened to you in the police but not yeah. in this job no yeah. no yeah okay yeah, yeah. Well, you must Did have it. seen a lot while you're in the police force as well gary so this is not that alarming to you i'd imagine oh you've death is something you never get comfortable with um and the worst one I, I have in the police was because I, I knew him personally and it was a heroin overdose, which is really clean, but it was the it was the most confronting death that I've ever had to attend. Yeah. yeah. So mm-hmm. here on the Gold Coast, mostly suicide or mostly violent crime? Uh, unfortunately, well, probably mostly suicide. Suicide, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The, the one, yeah, I, yeah. The one that did stick with me, not many do get to me and lose sleep over it. I can um, separate myself, but the, it is a domestic violence, quite violent crime one that we did. Um, 
we ended up not charging for it. We just did it as a, yeah, yes, we, we couldn't. Um, it was quite horrendous and, it, yeah, and it was very, very violent that um, that stuck with me and, uh, you know, you hope you don't see too many of those ones. So who was the victim? Was the one of the partners in a domestic yes. relationship? Mm. Yes, was, was and the, the children involved and I'm a mum and it just it, it got to mm. me and my staff. Um, I was happy to pay my staff but even my staff that went to this particular one said, yeah, Brie, there is no way in hell we're going to charge for that. This is just, yeah, yeah, we can't. We just want to do this for the family and, um, yeah, and then other trades I had to get involved in that one and they were all the same. Um, yeah, I had to get builders and So everybody felt, felt compassion yeah, this in one, this particular case. Yeah, which case. was actually ended up being a lovely community thing to see everybody being so compassionate about um, yeah, someone in the community. Um, but it is one that I hope you, know, you don't see too many of. Okay. Yeah. It was a very public yeah. murder. Um, and yeah. Anything, we we yeah. don't want to do any more to to identify. No, no, no. People. I understand that. Mm. I understand that. Mm. And so, what's the future for you, Gary, in uh, PHJ or Peter? <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for that. Um, hopefully, I'll get to retire again. Um, but we'll. Are you, enjoy, are you still enjoying your work, mate? Still enjoying I, getting up in the I, day and going I, to work? I do, as a matter of fact. You know, he yeah. jokes, but so, he loves it. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And, like, and I, both of your daughters, so you get to spend most of your days with both of you. Girls. Yeah, Hannah's part time, but you know we we sit down. They they come into work and we have a, a coffee together to start with and yeah. whinge about. I won't better not say staff, but you know whinge about other people and and. Um, but you're together every well. day. Hmm? You're yeah. together every day. Mm. Yeah, that's pretty mm. good. And is your wife yeah. still working as a nurse, mate? Yes, yes, she is. Wow. Yes, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, she. Um, it was a late career for her. She only started at fifty, or got an, a degree or a diploma at at fifty. Mm. Okay, mm. so the whole family is mm. um, very valuable members of the community, doing really important work. Thank you very much. That's terrific. It's a lovely story to hear. Yeah. There, there is a third daughter, and she works in the medical profession too. She yeah. works at, at at one of the local hospitals. Yeah. Okay, mm. so mm. and so everybody's here at the Gold Coast. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's fantastic that you're all working together. Mm. Thank you very much yeah. for being here today. Yeah, we really appreciate it. Us. Thank you for you're welcoming us. Yes. Yeah. Thank you very much for listening to another episode of Crime Scene Gold Coast with Guardian Criminal Law. We're enjoying bringing you these podcasts on a weekly basis and we look forward to bringing you many more. Uh, we've got a Patreon page where you can subscribe. That'll assist us in bringing you future episodes and also any money raised through that goes towards a youth help program that we're running. Uh, we look forward to your company for many months to come. Thank you.